0: I tell him, like, I know you're running a scam. We're done with this conversation here. And he got super defensive because he just realized that all the time that he'd spent trying to get me to talk to him and do all this stuff was a complete waste of time.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CyberWire's Hacking Humans podcast, where each week we look behind the social engineering scams, phishing schemes, and criminal exploits that are making headlines and taking a heavy toll on organizations around the world. I'm Dave Bittner from the CyberWire, and joining me, as always, is Joe Carrigan from the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute. Hello, Joe. Hi, Dave. As always, we've got some great stories to share, and later in the show, Joe talks with Chris Venghaus, also from the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute. But before we get into all of that, we've got a quick word from our sponsors at No Before. Have you ever been to security training? We have. What's it been like for you? If you're like us, ladies and gentlemen, it's the annual compliance drill, a few hours of PowerPoint in the staff break room. Refreshments in the form of sugary donuts and tepid coffee are sometimes provided. But a little bit of your soul seems to die every time the trainer says, Next slide. Well, okay, we exaggerate, but you know what we mean. Stay with us. And in a few minutes, we'll hear from our sponsors at Before, who have a different way of training. And we are back, Joe, this past week. The news has been dominated by the story of Hurricane Florence. Which it sure is, has. <laughs> yeah, it's been uh, beating down on the Carolinas here in the U.S. Yep. Now, we sort of dodged this bullet up here in Maryland. We we were afraid that it was going to come at us, but right. uh, it seems like it uh, zigged when we thought it was going to zag and it seems like it's going to stall over the Carolinas.
2: We're very lucky here, but our gain is someone else's uh, loss,
1: Yeah, that's right. And as we record this, the storm has just made landfall, so we don't know the extent of the damage to come, but... You know, this is a serious, life-threatening situation. Right. Evacuations, potential for flooding, wind damage, all of those things that uh, hurricanes can bring. Right. So, of course, as it always happens, it seems, the scammers are stepping in to take advantage of the situation. Well, you can always count on them to do that. Yeah. So 13 News Now, which is the local newscast out of WVECTV, tv there in Norfolk, Virginia, okay. uh, they covered this, some of the scams that were hitting folks in the Carolinas, and there were two specific scams they focused on. The first was a telephone scam, and the victims would get a call from someone who is claiming to be from one of the organizations that provides emergency services. After a natural disaster.
2: So it's like a call from FEMA or maybe the American Red Cross or something like that.
1: Exactly. And they would tell the victim that they just needed to verify some personal information Mm. in order to ensure that they would receive their disaster recovery funds.
2: To cover their expenses for the disaster. Mm I haven't applied for any disaster recovery funds yet because the storm is still coming in.
1: Yeah. 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 So I think a standard, let me get your information because later on you'll be getting money. And if you don't give us this information, you will be ineligible right. to receive the there is. money There's that you get.
2: The call to action immediately. Yep, I'll bet they say if you don't give us this information now, then you will not be able to apply later.
1: That's right. Yep. So they gather up the personal information from the people, their names, things like social security numbers, all the typical things that scammers tend to go after. Right, because these things uh, all
2: have a a retail value on the black market.
1: That's right. And of course, you know, calling at a time when people are busy with other things. They're securing their home, packing up, you know, those sorts of things. So hitting them at an emotionally fragile time. Sure.
2: They're very busy and probably focused on exactly what you're saying, getting out of Dodge.
1: The second scam involved people actually going door to door, dressed up in orange vests, you know, the sort of official don't hit me while I'm working on the side of a highway vest. Right. right? And they were going door to door, telling people that they had to evacuate, that it was a mandatory evacuation and that they had to do it now. Huh. And it seems as though these folks were just casing the joints right. for later robbery. So they were sort of building a database of who's here, who's not, who's planning on leaving, what's their timeline, so they could figure out, well, here's a cluster of homes where everyone's gone. And they all have nice TVs inside. That's right. Well, right. when you opened your door for me, I was able to take a quick look around and take a little quick inventory of what's going on inside. Yep. But these people were not actually from uh, any organization. In fact, they did interview an actual official. The TV station interviewed someone and they said, this sort of puzzled me a little bit. They said, mandatory evacuations are a personal decision. No one can tell you that you have to leave. And I was thinking, well, that it's doesn't not sound mandatory. mandatory right? <laughs> <laughs> right. So I'm not sure what's going on with that. But at any rate, something to keep an eye out for. If some one of these things is heading your way, unfortunately, one of the things you have to worry about on top of everything else, is that there yeah, may be it, people who are trying to take advantage of the situation is it people there are people out there that are just horrible people that's yeah. that's one yeah. of the things you got
2: to worry about all the time it's just terrible.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, that's my story this week. What do you
2: have, Joe? That's kind of a risky thing to do in the South, don't you think? What's that? To go door to door and purport to
1: be a government official. I would probably choose my neighborhood carefully. Right. But, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you know, it's the old thing. Crooks are stupid, right?
2: Yeah. So my story this week is kind of a carry on from last week. Remember last week we were talking about the Pope giving away Bitcoin. That's right. 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 Woo, that's great. But a Pope actually, of course, is not giving away Bitcoin. No, he's not. We're going to get to a more local level. In this story, I've changed the names of everybody to protect the innocents. I'm okay. not going to name any parishes or anything like that. Sure. But I recently heard about a scam affecting a local church. So I called the pastor of that church and I, I talked to him about it. And, okay. And I asked his permission to talk about this on the show. Right. But parishioners will get an email that reads something like this. Hi, this is Father Steve and I need your help with something. Right? Right. So it's the standard social engineering request, I need help with something. Mm, right.
1: right. We all. Yep. We all want to be helpful. Yep. And, and certainly to a, a church leader, Correct. That, that would get, get my attention.
2: Now, the first thing that pops into people's mind that's a red flag is this person does not go by Father Steve, mm. right? He goes by his last name and he uses a different honorific. Okay. Now, you were raised Catholic. I was. And do you remember the name of the priest where you went as a, as a kid? I do. Uh, do you know his first name? I do not. I don't. I don't remember either.
1: <laughs> no, certainly not from when I was a
2: kid, no. <laughs> right. Not very many priests go by their first name. No. If the recipient actually replies to the email, uh, how can I help? You know, what can I do? Right. They receive another email back that says, I'm very busy right now, but I'm trying to raise money for a woman that needs an operation and she doesn't have any money. So... Can you please get three one hundred dollars iTunes gift cards and send me the codes? Hmm. Right. So it's just an iTunes gift card scam. Right. Right. The scam works because it's easy to monetize. If I can trick somebody into sending me a one hundred dollars iTunes gift card, then I can quickly turn around and sell it for eighty bucks, and I'm I make eighty bucks. Somebody else makes twenty bucks in profit by buying a discounted iTunes card, and the person. Who spent the money is out the money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and nobody has helped but me and some random person I sell. Right,
1: right. When did hospitals start taking iTunes gift cards in exchange for <laughs> right, surgical me. services? I, all right.
2: It's, it's a very far-fetched scam.
1: Yeah. But it works. But
2: it is working. Some parishioners have even actually received phone calls from a person purporting to be the pastor of this church. However, the person on the other end of the phone has an accent that the pastor does not possess. So uh, it's quickly recognized as a scam as well. Wow some of the things that make you go, hmm, mm-hmm. about this story. The email comes from a very plausible Gmail address. Okay. Right? It's so plausible, in fact, that I was talking to this pastor. He said when he tried to apply for an email address, he actually applied to get this email address. Hmm. And it was he was informed that it was already taken. So he had to pick a different email address. Hmm. So I don't know how these people have gotten control of this email address. Either they've you know bought the credentials somewhere or, or they've broken the credentials some somehow
1: right more likely they scammed somebody out of it. Right exactly.
2: They scammed somebody out of it or they were actually playing the long con and set this up before he set it up.
1: <laughs> yeah, That's a long con. That is a long yeah. con because <laughs> yeah. you know he
2: set that that email address up a couple of years ago. Okay. And now just now they're starting to see us. now it is possible. He may have been the pastor of this, but I think the more likely solution is that they went out and scammed their way into this email address. Right. Another interesting fact about this is that the pastor told me that he was discussing this with another pastor and at another parish, and they're going through exactly the same scam. Mm. So this looks like an organization that is targeting churches— they're going in they're getting access to the parish directory or the parish email list somehow they're probably right. getting into that with some kind of like a phishing email on somebody's computer and then they just look around the computer for the directory get the directory and get out right? I can
1: imagine a parish email list is, wouldn't be something that would have a lot of locks around it you right. know like uh, among the parish themselves they would probably they probably encourage don't. the sharing of it to, to yep. share yeah that's I would imagine that you're you're exactly right mm-hmm. for lots church, of good reasons you know that's yeah, Goodwill reasons. Exactly. And I'm
2: not saying the church is is negligent here in any way, shape, or form. Right. They need this to communicate with Mm -hmm. their parishioners Mm -hmm. who have asked to be communicated with in this way. A lot of parishes will have directories of all the the parishioners. If they have that online, that could be a goldmine for this type of
1: scam. Well, and I don't know what the average size is of a parish these days, but... I guess the scammers have figured out that the the possible return on this investment is worth it. Right. You've got, probably got a few hundred people. Big uh, parishes are probably a few thousand.
2: Yeah, if you can canvas everybody that has an email address and you can hit them all up for $300 in iTunes gift cards and and you get maybe five or ten people to do it, you, mm-hmm. you've made a significant amount of money in a day. I think we're going to see a lot more of this. I think this is going to become a more frequent thing. And, and in talking with this pastor, he was happy to have me talk about it on this podcast because what our mission here is is to make sure that people are inoculated against this kind of a scam, right? So if you get something from your religious leader, if you're one that goes to a church and you have a pastor or some other analogous person and they start they hit you up for money, it might be worth making a phone call
1: well, yeah, and I think also, Nobody's going to ask you for iTunes gift cards. Absolutely not. No. <laughs> I mean, that, this harkens that, that,
2: back to the story you were telling me about the guy that went into the CVS and bought like $1,000 worth of iTunes gift cards. Right. You know, and nobody along the line goes, why do you need $1,000 worth of iTunes gift cards?
1: Mm-hmm. That right. should be a signal flare sent right. up <laughs> with, yeah. with, with maximum brightness. If someone, if you see that, chances are it is a scam.
2: Yeah. Maybe, maybe you as a fellow citizen should intervene there and say, why are you buying those?
1: Right. All right, well, it's a good story, something to keep an eye out for. Joe, it's time for our catch of the day. Joe, our catch of the day this week, this is an oldie, but a goodie. This is uh, one from a few years back. I had not seen it, but this is a fun one. So this is an email that was being sent around. A little bit of a uh, variation on your standard Nigerian prince scam. Okay. The subject is... Nigerian astronaut wants to come home. It starts off, Dear Mr. Sir, Request for assistance strictly confidential. I am Dr. Bakare Tunde, the cousin of Nigerian astronaut, Air Force Major Abucha Tunde. He was the first African in space when he made a secret flight to the Salyut 6 space station in 1979. He was on a later Soviet space flight, Soyuz T-16Z, to the secret Soviet military space station, Salyut-8T, in 1989. He was stranded there in 1990 when the Soviet Union was dissolved. His other Soviet crew members returned to Earth on the Soyuz T-16Z, but his place was taken up by return cargo. There have been occasional progress supply flights to keep him going since that time. He's in good humor, but wants to come home. In the 14 years since he's been on the station, he has accumulated flight pay and interest amounting to almost 15 million American dollars. Well, of
2: course. I mean, he's been in space since 1990. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This is held in a trust at the Lagos National Savings and Trust Association. If we can obtain access to this money, we can place a down payment with the Russian space authorities for a Soyuz return flight to bring him back to Earth. I am told this will cost 3 million American dollars. In order to access his trust fund, we need your assistance.
2: Wait, $3 million? That's a lot less than 15000000 million, isn't it, Dave?
1: It is. It is a lot less than $15 million. $15 million is what he has in the bank? I think so. All right. We, there's a possibility for profit here. Ah, I see. I continue. Consequently, my colleagues and I are willing to transfer the total amount to your account... Or subsequent disbursement, since we as civil servants are prohibited by the Code of Conduct Bureau from opening and or operating foreign accounts in our names. Of course you are. Needless to say, the trust reposed on you at this juncture is enormous. In return, we have agreed to offer you 20% of the transferred sum, while 10% shall be set aside for incidental expenses between the parties in the course of the transaction. You will be mandated to remit the balance 70% to other accounts in due course. Kindly expedite action as we are behind schedule to enable us down payment in this financial quarter.
2: You're 28 years behind schedule.
1: Please acknowledge the receipt of this message via my direct number. Yours sincerely, Dr. Bakare Tunde, Astronautics Project Manager. Joe, we're going to be rich.
2: <laughs> right, again. Again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> a Couple of things. There is no such thing as a secret space base.
2: <laughs> you cannot. Put oh yeah, anything that's into orbit what you want me to think <laughs> that, mm-hmm. that
1: everybody else can't see. Uh huh. Right. Yeah. It. That's what they want you to think, Joe. Right.
2: This is awesome.
1: This Moon is a great base catch of alpha. The day. Yeah. Ground control to Major Tunde. <laughs> He's
2: been in space since 1990. Yeah. And the the Russians just left him there. Well.
1: We'll you know, be back for you. <laughs> it's like home alone in space. <laughs> home alone in space. Yeah. They, right, comrade. I feel as though we have returned to Earth and we may have forgotten something. <laughs> what could it be? Hey, has anybody seen our our pal Abuche recently? And
2: somebody sits up in the spacecraft and goes Abuche <laughs> right,
1: <laughs> instead just, of yelling Kevin. Right. Right. Exactly. They all smack their foreheads and <laughs> right. oh, oh, silly us. This is a wonderful variation. I really hope this is real.
2: <laughs> there's no way any of this is real, but no, remember, no, I, mean,
1: I hope, I hope this is a real, oh, I hope, oh, I hope this real, is a real Nigerian scam. Yeah. You hope this is a real scam. Yes. Right. I, I really hope. This, I don't doubt that it is. It's creative writing.
2: Here's the thing though. Remember, I can't remember where we were talking about this. Somebody's going to look me up and tell me where, but the reason these things are so outlandish is because you're targeting people that you want to give you money. You're looking for gullible people to begin with. So right. you send them this outlandish story and, Hopefully, anybody that responds, you've already screened out people that go, this is –
1: Make sense, makes sense. Makes sense to me, right?
2: Right. <laughs> right. right. You, want, you want the people to go? Oh my God! We got to help this guy.
1: Yeah, this poor guy out in space. I'm going to be make a lot of money, and I'm going to be an international hero. It's a win-win. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, that is our catch of the day. Coming up next, we've got Joe's interview with Chris Venghaus, one of his colleagues at the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute. But first, a quick word from our sponsors at No Before. Now, back to that question we asked earlier about training. Our sponsors at Know Before want to spring you from that break room with new school security awareness training. They've got the world's largest security awareness training library, and its content is always fresh. Know Before delivers interactive, engaging training on demand. It's done through the browser and supplemented with frequent, simulated social engineering attacks by email, phone, and text. Pick your categories to suit your business. Operate internationally? NoBefore delivers convincing, real-world, proven templates in 24 languages. And wherever you are, be sure to stay on top of the latest news and information to protect your organization with NoBefore's weekly Cyber Heist News. We read it, and we think you'll find it valuable, too. Sign up for Cyber Heist News at nobefore.com slash news. That's K-N-O-W-B-E, the number four, dot com slash news. And we are back. Uh, Joe, you took the uh, duties of doing the interview this week. Who'd you speak with?
2: I spoke with my coworker at the Information Security Institute, Chris Venghaus, about the time a Microsoft support scammer called into our organization.
1: All right, here's Joe's conversation with Chris Venghaus. For a while, I was getting these phone calls
0: that were coming in from people basically claiming that they're Microsoft, saying, hey, you've got a virus and we need to talk you through getting rid of it. Right. And, you know, obviously to anybody who knows any little bit of information about computers, you're like, all right, well, this is obviously a fake. You know, this person has to be trying to scam me into into something. So uh, this one time, like, all right, well, you know what? let's see what they're actually trying to get me to do, because mm-hmm. I was curious. It was a slow day and I wanted to see what uh, what this would all lead into. And it was actually super interesting and a lot of fun. Originally, he's like, all right, well. You know, you've got a virus in your computer and uh, we need to walk you through steps in doing this. And I'm like, oh, no, I have a virus. Really? Wow, that's not good. Like, how do I get rid of this? And he's like, oh, don't worry, I'm, I'm here to help you with that. So he's like, all right, well, first thing we need to do is have you uh, log into your computer and download some software for me to be able to help you clean your computer for you. And immediately I'm, I'm thinking to myself, all right, this is going to be great. Uh-huh. so first things first uh, I didn't actually have a system to be able to to do this with because of course I didn't want to do it with my own personal uh, laptop that I use for my everyday work
2: that's an Apple laptop as well right yeah exactly so right. <laughs> so I was like
0: huh, I don't actually have a Windows system around here right. anywhere that I can use I'm like alright well let's make one so I told the guy like hey you know, hold on just a minute. I'm booting up my computer. It's been super slow these days. Uh, it must be because of this virus that you're talking about. <laughs> and the whole time I'm sitting there creating a new virtual machine on my computer to be able to set something up that the guy can touch. After about like five minutes of basically talking about how slow my computer is, uh, these days the you know Windows installs are super fast. So I got this thing set up and it's a brand new, fresh installation of Microsoft Windows 7 and never been touched before. I immediately connected to the internet. I'm like, all right, what do I do now? And the guy sends me to this uh, URL, which has nothing to do with Microsoft whatsoever. I proceed to uh, download the software that he asks me to download. And we go through and uh, set this whole thing up. He gets access to it. It's some kind of like, go to my PC, TeamViewer kind of thing where he's got full access to my computer. He can move the mouse around, see what's on my screen, that sort of thing. He then proceeds to start doing a scan of my computer. And by scan, what I mean is he opens up a command prompt Mm
1: -hmm. and then
0: just starts typing random commands that show a bunch of junk. Like, first thing he does is run the tree command. If you don't know what that is, uh, that actually shows you, you know, a file system tree on your computer. So it's just going through listing all my files. And he's like, oh, here it is, scanning it. And I can hear him typing in the background. Mm -hmm. And then it it runs through after a minute or two of scanning, you know, quote unquote, scanning all of these files. And at the end, it shows the command prompt again, and it shows the words, a virus has been found.
2: And all it was was him executing a tree command and then typing the words, a virus was found, right?
0: Correct. He just typed, a virus was found on your computer. It, It says that a virus has been found, and it says, You've been infected with the cube face virus. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, what's happening here? How does anybody fall for this? Because obviously, like it it even says right there, like command, a virus has been found. Cube face virus does not exist on this system. Right. Um, <laughs> it's like it's clearly obvious that this guy is is preying on people who have no idea anything about computers. Right. I'm like, oh, no, there's a virus. What do I do now? How do we get rid of it?
2: Help me, Mr. Scammer. Help me. Help me <laughs> so much.
0: Yeah. He starts opening up the registry and uh, looking at keys and things like that. I mean, I can tell he's just randomly clicking around. He just clicks on a few keys, looks at some numbers, and then finds some, like, arbitrary thing. And he's like, oh, right, this right here. And uh, he opens up the command prompt again and types, like, a random string of characters and uh, hits enter. And it's like, all right, that should do it. And I'm like, wow, I wish it was that easy.
2: Right. <laughs> And what was he trying to tell you he had just done?
0: He had just cleared my computer of my coop face infection.
2: Oh, okay. <laughs> so he fixed it for you.
0: Yeah. So uh, I'm like, oh, thank you, Mr. Uh, Mister Microsoft Man. And he's like, this is only a temporary fix. It looks like your computer's uh, infected with a bunch of other things as well. But unfortunately, we, uh, we can't fix that for you here. Um, you need to be able to... Uh, sign up with our uh, support plan to be able to make sure that we remove all this. And I'm like, ah, huh. oh, here, here's where, here's where it all boils down.
2: This is uh, where this, he says, show cash. me the money. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right.
0: So uh he he goes through and pulls up a website. It, it's his own uh, company's website, of course. And, you know, it tells me to, to enter my credit card number and everything like that right here. And I'm thinking to myself, all right, you're still watching me. And uh, so I, I make up a little dialogue and tell them, all right, cool. Uh, let me sign up for this. So you have access to my screen right now. Uh, does that mean you can see my credit card number? Isn't that not safe? And he's like, oh, no, it'll block it out for me. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, wow, that's super cool.
2: Right. Which it <laughs> won't do that. No, it's
0: obviously not going to do <laughs> right. that. He's, he's trying to steal my credit card right here. <laughs> right. So I'm like, all right. At this point, we're like, probably about an hour into this call because all this time taking, you know, trying to convince me that my computer is affected, he's wasted, like, an hour of time writing, and now here's the, here's the final moment where, all right, enter your credit card and this will all go away.
1: Right. Like,
0: all right, so I start entering basically a fake credit card number into the thing and then, you know, I have to fill out my information with it. So my name, I wrote the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute. <laughs> and then... He's like, is that your name? And I'm like, is is what my name? And he's like, the uh, Information Security Institute. And I'm like, I thought you couldn't see my screen. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so gotcha. he's like, oh, no, I can see the information that you enter in on your on your form here. It, it's a uh, you know, that's that, that's not right. And I'm like, here's what I'm like. All right, I, I'm done. I'm like, I I tell him, yeah, this is definitely not right. You know, I'm I work for Johns Hopkins University. I know what you're doing here. I've just been trying to see what exactly you are doing with uh with my computer here. And uh, I tell him, like, I know you're running a scam. We're done with this conversation here. And he got super defensive because he just realized that all the time that he'd spent trying to get me to talk to him and do all this stuff was a complete waste of time. Right. Because what these people are doing are trying to get easy catches. Sure. They're trying to talk to somebody who knows nothing and is very easily convinced that there's a problem and will just give them everything that they want. For the most part, like I mentioned earlier, most people are going to see this and just be like, oh, I, I want nothing to do this with this. I know it's a scam. I'm just going to hang up the phone. So... Having somebody talk to them for that long probably cost him a lot of time and money because he, he wasn't able to scam somebody. I'm sure anybody who's made it past the point of, oh, just, uh, you know, you've got a virus. We've removed it here. Just enter your credit card number. I'm sure if you get to that point, you're probably going to have somebody who's going to enter their information. Right. So uh, he just starts insulting me and telling me that, oh, he's going to get. Get his lawyers to sue me for defamation because, you know, they're not scamming people at all. And I'm I'm just like, all right, we'll have a nice day.
2: Right. That's great. Chris, you've done a humanitarian service by wasting a scammer's time (laughs) on this one. Keeping him on the phone was keeping him out of somebody else's hair who may have fallen victim to that. That's a fantastic story. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Yeah, thank you. Well, what a fun story. What an interesting guy. It's one of my favorite stories to tell. <laughs> if anybody has
2: any other stories they want to tell on this podcast, I'll be happy to talk to you about it. You know, like how you wasted Scammers time. Mm-hmm. I would love to hear it.
1: Yeah, let us know. No, it's uh, it's interesting. A couple things things uh, stood out to me. It, it reminded me of, you know, like every street corner dope dealer. You know, the, right. the first sample is free. So yes, right. The, oh, the, good point. You good know, observation. The, the first attempt at cleaning out your computer, out of our goodwill, we've cleared your computer of this. Of
2: this one virus this we one found. virus
1: but oh no we found more
2: th- you got to remember this was a brand new machine right uh, Chris keeps images of Windows machines that he just just so he can recreate these VMs Whenever he wants to. Sure. So it's a very quick process. Yeah. But it's it's always a brand new clean install when he does this. Right. So there's no viruses <laughs> on the <your> machines.
1: <laughs> right, right. And the other thing that, that I wondered while I was listening was when they got to the part about the credit card, was this going to be a one-time thing where they're just after the credit card, or are they looking for him to sign up for some sort of a subscription.
2: I have heard this happening in the past with other scams where they're trying to they actually bill your credit card right. as a legitimate service.
1: Someone tried to hit my father up for that.
2: Right. Uh, somebody tried to hit my mom up for that, and one mm-hmm. of her friends actually fell for it because she thought she had a virus on her computer right. and entered a credit card number into a website and got billed like $1,000. Yep. Now, they were able to call the credit card company and go, that's a fraudulent charge mm. and get the money taken off the credit card, fortunately. Right. But, you know, if somebody says, well, you know, if you get somebody who thinks about it and doesn't talk to anybody else about it, says, well, now I'm protected.
1: I got this virus scan. Yeah. This uh, this helpful thing, person yeah, th- thank, kept me out of trouble. Thank,
2: mm-hmm. Thankfully, they called me and, and, and helped me out.
1: Well, it's nice to see someone who has the abilities that Chris does to waste these people's time. Right. L- lucky they caught him on a slow day. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> right. It was, it right. was right. It Because was that's the, the thing. Summer. We've got to change that equation and... Nice to hear that the scammer was was frustrated that the, the, at that, that opportunity lost. Yeah, he was angry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, thanks for connecting with Chris there. And that is our podcast, thanks to our show sponsor No Before, whose new school security awareness training will help you keep your people on their toes with security at the top of their mind. Stay current about the state of social engineering by subscribing to their Cyber Heist News at slash news Think of No Before for your security training thanks to the johns hopkins university information security institute for their participation even more than usual this week <laughs> you can learn more at isi.jhu.edu The Hacking Humans Podcast is proudly produced in Maryland at the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technology. Our coordinating producer is Jennifer Iben. Our editor is John Petrick. Technical editor is Chris Russell. Executive editor is Peter Kilpie. I'm Dave Bittner. And I'm Joe Kerrigan. Thanks for listening.